Let's worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Christ is our living hope. We can celebrate the truth that our inheritance is imperishable because our God is never failing, never changing. He is good. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into
John, 1 John 3.16 says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Amen.
um, even when it meant your own life. And we thank you, Lord, so much for, for making a way so that we could drink your waters, for making a way so that we could someday see you face to face. And Lord, we thank you so much for your spirit um, as a deposit until you come again, Lord, to let us know that we are safe in your arms, that we are held by you. And we praise you, we celebrate you, God, and, and we just love the fact that we are secure in you. Hallelujah. Lord, open our, our hearts as we receive the message, God. Um, may, may you mold us, Lord, and we thank you that we don't have to do anything to uh, earn our, your favor, God, that we already are accepted and received, and that you delight in us, God. You say that you sing songs over us, Lord. So I just pray that we'll rest in you today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This beautiful, beautiful Sunday morning. It is week four of what we are calling the Great Comeback. And most of America is still trying to have some kind of comeback. The world is trying to come back from the COVID. We've been out of commission like for three months, what, almost four months of just laying low and Staying out of uh, each other's way and not breathing on each other. No high fives, no handshakes, lots of sanitizer. Uh, so it's been a little bit crazy out there. I hope, I hope and pray that you are like hanging in there, hanging in there tough. Okay, hanging in there tough, family, friends, neighbors, all of you that are tuning in this morning. We are, we are still in but this is it we are at the very end of the book of philippians we're in chapter four paul's writing and uh we have been digging into some really 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 uh good stuff and uh paul's gonna say something to us today one thing what we're gonna do is we're gonna review what we've been talking about for the last bunch of weeks we're gonna talk about this awesome uh context of this passage that we're in and then we're gonna talk about the verse and then we're going to be done, and um, I hope and pray that you will be blessed today as we dig into the Word and we think about things of God, uh, because our focus, our mind, what we think on, like we said last week, the things that we are thinking on are really important, and Paul encouraged us to think about things that are right and true and noble and uh, good and praiseworthy and excellent and all those lovely things that Paul said earlier to think about. And then he said, follow my examples, and now today... As he comes to the end of this letter, here's what Paul is going to say to us. It's in chapter 4, it's verse 19, and Paul says these words, And my God, he says, my God, our God, he will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Our final truth of this series, truth number 27, is this, God will meet all your needs. Now that's good stuff, right? We're going to dig in that in a minute. Let me review a little bit where we've been, okay? i probably not going to be able to see this really well, but 27, 27 truths through the book of Philippians. I want to just remind you of them real quick. Think about these things. Make sure you go back and read this letter. It's only four chapters it's so powerful. It's so good. And here's what Paul has said to us up to this point. He says, talks about 
In chapter 1, our partnership, he said, in the gospel, our partnership in the gospel, he talked about carrying it out to, on to completion, that God will carry on to completion what he has begun in us. He talked about love abounding. He talked about discernment, having good discernment. Paul has talked about the fruit, the fruit of righteousness there in chapter 1. He talked about to live as Christ. He talked about having fruitful labor, that the things that we do, the work that we do, would produce fruit. And not just fruit, but fruit for the kingdom of God, like fruit for God. Not just fruit for ourselves, not just fruit for the world, but fruit that will endure or last forever. He talked about our progress in the faith, that we would keep moving forward, keep advancing in our faith. That's awesome, right? That we would conduct ourselves, conduct ourselves in, in a manner that is worthy of the gospel. He said that we would contend, or he challenged us to contend for the faith like a boxer, like a fighter. He encouraged us in chapter 2 to that, that Jesus humbled himself to the point of death and that we should follow in his footsteps with that kind of attitude, the attitude of humility even to the point of death. In chapter 2, he talked about that we would continue to work out our salvation in Jesus. He said that God is at work in you. He said that we will shine like stars in the universe as we Number 15, hold fast or hold out the word of life. Hold fast to the word of life. Chapter 3 said that we would know Christ, that we would take hold of my purpose, that we would forget what's behind and keep charging or straining toward what is ahead, that we would press toward the goal, that we would be moving toward this goal, this heavenward goal. Chapter 3, that we would become mature in Jesus, like well-rounded and perfect and holy and mature, that we would grow up, grow up, like grow up and become mature, that we would live up to what we have already attained, that, that the things that we have learned, we'd live up to that level, that standard, and we'd keep moving forward, not go backwards, that we would eagerly await, eagerly await a Savior from heaven to come and rescue us, that we're right now waiting for Jesus to come, and he could come anytime, anytime he wants. He's more than welcome, in my book, to come on and let's let's go. Let's move on to the next to the next phase of eternity and of what God has in store for us. Number 24 is that he will transform us. Last week we talked about thinking on God things and that we would put into practice, put these things into practice, right? What we learned from Paul. Well, that's what we have um, learned so far from, from Paul. And today the truth, number 27, is simply this, that God will meet all your needs. I want to I want to move into the um the the context of this verse because the verse is just one verse, verse 19 that we're going to dig into, but there's a context that leads up to it. And and what's happening here is that you know, Paul is Paul is like sharing these final thoughts from this letter. Like he's coming to the end of the letter and he's got he, you know, like when you write a letter, you 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 say some things that you're thinking about, but then at the end, you just kind of like throw a lot in there just to kind of say, oh yeah, don't forget these things, this, 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 and uh, you wrap it up. 
but it's like some final thoughts. And that's where Paul is at in this letter. So look what he says. Verse 14, he says, Yet it was good for you, of you to share in my troubles. And we, we know the, the, the life of Paul was filled with all kinds of good points, good things, highlights, and mountaintop experiences. But, but Paul also got persecuted. He got beat down. He was flogged. He was beaten. He, he went through some trials along the way that have led him to this point to now he is in prison remember in Rome and he's writing this letter to the Philippians who are some distance away and he's encouraging them but he says yet yeah, it was good for you to share in my troubles I, in other words I wasn't alone in that you know and how awesome is that that when you go through trials and troubles or whatever happens that there are people that are in your corner with you and god is always in your corner he's always there and that's what paul says verse 15 moreover as you philippians know he, he's writing this directly to them in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel when he first preached to them uh, on, on missionary trip number two way back in the book of acts Right When I set out from Macedonia, not one church with me uh, shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only, he says. For even when I was in Thessalonica, where, where uh, the Thess Thessalonians lived, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Now, isn't that cool that, that Paul is just... Saying, like, you helped me. You sent money. You People came and, and encouraged me when I was, like, in this other place trying to serve the Lord and carry out the ministry of Jesus. You were part of my ministry, and you helped me get through. Like, I've got a really good friend. His name is Juan Cortez. He, he's in Mexico. He's a missionary to Mexico. Juan is in a wheelchair, but Juan does a lot of a missionary work. He is a mission-minded, spiritual-minded giant of a man and uh and i love juan so much and and we share with juan from burlington north carolina we share in his ministry we we help support juan i've been to see him a number of times and worked with juan and uh would love to go back and see juan again when things calm down or have juan come see us but but there's somebody in our body our church family that, that loves sharing with others in their ministry, and they give a chunk of money every month that gets sent to Juan. And Juan writes me letters, and he talks just like this, that, that without you guys, I could not go into the prisons and minister to the people in the prisons in Matamoros, Mexico. Now, that's I've been in the prison in Matamoros, Mexico, and it is not a very good place, but Juan every week goes in there and he tries to minister to the people and he ministers to people in his church and he ministers to men's ministry and to all kinds of people in his area. He does a lot of work and a lot of good. But he, he says without our support, like he could never do the things that he does. What an awesome thing. And that's just a piece of, of what Juan does. But, but that's what Paul is saying. Like, when I was over there in ministry, you sent me support so that I could continue to do the work of God. You know, that's just beautiful. I mean, that's what it takes. For anyone to do ministry, it takes, it takes the support of other people around them to help them get the job done. And, and even though they may not share directly in the ministry, by their support, 
they are allowing ministry to happen. And so they're very much connected to the outcome of what happens. And God is well aware of that. And here Paul is like saying, you know, when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid, you helped me out. Verse 17, he said, not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have, um, sorry, I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent, Epaphroditus came from Philippi, brought more gifts to Paul that they took up and they shared with him. They are, he says, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And isn't that awesome that, that Paul is aware of the things that they are doing? Verse 19, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. That's going to be our verse. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then as he wraps up these final words of this letter, this is what Paul says. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and the sisters who are with me, Paul's in Rome, send their greeting. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Remember, he's in Rome. And verse 23, the last verse, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. I mean, that's just Paul saying from his heart, thank you. Like, thank you for supporting me throughout this ministry. From the, from the moment that Jesus called him into ministry and Paul became a, a follower of Jesus and began to share the gospel with the world to this very moment, Paul is thankful for the people that God has put in his life to help him along the way. And I, I feel that as well. I, I, I just can relate to that so well from the time God called me into ministry so many years ago, 1980, got married, 19, or graduated from high school, 81, got married, 82, gave my life to Christ. And um, reverse that, 81, gave my life to Christ, 82, got married. And, um, and people have been supporting and helping and, and a part of our ministry the whole time. How, how awesome is that, that, that we're in this thing together? That not only does God have our back, but he puts people in our life that help us along the way, that help have our back, that help us carry out even more ministry than we could ever do without them. And so praise God for that, right? That is such a good thing. Paul's bringing his letter to a close. As you can tell, he's bringing this to a close in these final words. And, 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 and one, uh, this, is a, this is a letter of love, by the way, that Paul has shared with them. It's all about the love Paul has for them, the encouragement he has to them. And one of the last big things that Paul is going to say to them is, is this, is this. Above everything else, all the other truths and nuggets that we've pulled out, Paul is going to say to them, God will meet all your needs. Now, most of us would love for that sentence or that statement to kind of stand on its own and be the all and end all, right? We would like it to end right there where God is like committing himself to meet all my needs, you know, all my needs. God, you said you will meet all my needs, right? And, and, and very quickly, 
it could become, if we're not careful, a very inward, selfish attitude that we take on because, after all, God said that he will meet all of my needs. Like, like that God is committing himself or somehow he's now obligated to meet all of my needs. And to that I would say, oh, selfish flesh, right? Oh, selfish flesh, selfish me, right? Selfish me for instantly taking a, a scripture and then like really taking it out of context and pointing it all at what I'm going to get out of this. Like that is the most selfish act of anything. But thank God Thank the Lord that he thinks about far more than I will ever think. Like in my own little world, that's all I think about. But God sees so much more. He has like this Fred Randall, you know, Fred Randall in the, the movie Rocket Man, that, 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 remember he's looking out of the spaceship and he's looking at the, the earth and it's like, it is a giant blueberry. And he says, he's, he sings this song, he's got the whole world in his hands. Right? And God truly does have like the whole world in his hands. And all I think about is my little world, right? My little world. And so, so what Paul does is he includes these words that are so important for us, right? These, these critical words to that statement, my God will meet all your needs. And he adds, doesn't end there, he says, according to to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And at first we go, oh man, bummer, bummer, bummer. I thought he was just going to meet my needs. Like God was just going to promise to take care of me, 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 me. But he doesn't say that, does he? But when we get past that step, we begin to realize that I'm really better off. That God doesn't just do what I want him to do. Like the world is a better place, the creation is a better place, the universe is a better place, his kingdom is a better place because he doesn't do what I want. If he did what I want or what other people want and we see the chaos in the world right now, if, if God just did what we all wanted, it would be mass chaos. This place would be a zoo. But he doesn't. God knows what's best and he knows what's best for all of us. And I'm so glad that he does according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So there's two really important truths about this verse, right? Two truths, maybe a third, probably a third, and then we're going to wrap this up. Okay, number one, the first truth is this. The first truth is this about this verse that God will meet all our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus, his riches of glory in Christ Jesus. And the first thing is this, first really important thing is this, is this. If it isn't in Christ, it's outside of Christ. See, see what Paul says is that God will meet our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And if it isn't in Christ Jesus, then it is outside of Christ Jesus. If it's not in, it's out. It's one or the other. It's either in or it's out. And you're, you're probably then better off without it. If it's outside of Christ, you don't need it. You're better off. I'm better off without it. In Christ, you have more than you will ever 
mean? I don't think we understand that. I think we think that being a Christian means that we give up a lot of things, that we stop doing a lot of things. And while that is true, that we don't want to live like the world anymore, we have died to ourselves. we're no longer in the flesh, we're going to live according to God's word, which means we're going to trade in all of our junk for all of his riches. And in Christ Jesus, we have more than we will ever need. But like most people, we are like children, like little kids. You've noticed this. You've seen this happen. Little kids surrounded by all kinds of our own toys and our own fun things to do, and yet grabbing for some other kid's toy. You know, that's that's how we are. We like, we're surrounded with so much good stuff in Christ but we don't even realize it, and we're, we're, we're always looking across the fence or across the yard or, or for greener pasture somewhere else. It's got to be better. There's got to be something I don't have that I want. Right? That's how we are as human beings. Our human nature is that way. We're never satisfied, and we're never content. We, we have a lust and a longing for more, 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 more. We might have everything in the world, but we just want that one thing we don't have, right? That's just kind of how we are. But do you know what you have in Christ? Do you know what you have in Christ? I want to remind us this morning because what we have in Christ is more than we will ever, ever, ever need. Trust me. I'm going to share with you right now some of the things we have in Christ. Not even all of them. I'm not even going to share all of them with you. I'm just going to share a lot of them with you. So here he goes. Ready? Here's what we have. Hundred of powerful things in Christ. Number, number, not even number one. I can't even number them. There's too many. So here's what we have in Christ. In Christ, we are a new creation. In Christ, we are a workmanship created for and in Christ. In Christ, we are not condemned, but we have life eternal. In Christ, we are children of God. We are attached to the source of life who is the vine. We are connected to the eternal vine. In Christ, we are raised up with him and we're seated in the heavenly places in Christ. In Christ, we are crucified to ourself and we are made alive in Christ. And that's a bunch of stuff, but there's a lot more. Get this, check this out. In Christ, we are heirs. Like we have an inheritance in Christ. In Christ, we are fellow workers. In Christ, we are overcomers. We are God's temple. We are members of his body. We are joined with the Lord. We are born of God. We are transformed. We are justified. We are blessed. We are spiritually filled. We are a chosen one. We are a fruitful one. We have boldness. And that's not all. That's a lot that we have in Christ. Those things alone are better than anything you will ever get in this world. But there's so much more. In Christ, we are hidden with him in Jesus we are safe and secure in him in Christ we have a boatload of promises we have access to God we have confidence we are the light we are wonderfully made we are holy in Christ we are blameless we are partakers of the divine nature like the divine nature of God lives in us we are a city on a hill. We are a chosen race. We are a, cho a, a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are redeemed. We are God's very own possession. We are the people of God. We are mercy filled. We are predestined to be like Christ. We are, have been adopted by God. In Christ, we are bound for eternity with Christ. 
And, and I could go on and on. There's so many other things that I could point out to you about what we are and what we have and our identity in Christ. But in Christ, we have everything. We have everything. God owes us nothing. And yet he gives us everything. Why would I ever desire? Why would you and I ever desire anything outside of Christ? Why would we set our eyes on those things? Why would we chase after things that we don't even need? Why would I sit in the kingdom of God and look outside the kingdom of God as if there's anything that compares to what I already have in Jesus? Why would I do that? Because I'm flesh, that's why I would do that. You know, um, Ecclesiastes, Solomon wrote these words. He said, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything, everything is meaningless. And what, what he was trying to say to us and to the world and to mankind is this. Outside of Jesus, outside of the kingdom of God, Everything else that's attached to this planet and the creation and the world, everything is meaningless. In Christ, we have everything. And all that you need are the things that you have in Christ. When it comes to the world and its woes and its values and its future, it's all vanity. It's all vanity. It's meaningless. In the end, it will mean absolutely nothing. All of our riches, all of our treasures, all of our things will be meaningless. When you're on your deathbed and they're about to put you in a coffin, nothing on the earth is going to matter. It's all going to be meaningless to you at the moment. When you enter into eternity, everything that you leave here is meaningless to you. Meaningless. See, it's all vanity. And so what we should do is fight for truth. What we should do is fight for eternity. What we should do is fight for what matters. And only what's in Christ matters. That's what matters most. In, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, uh, Bruce pointed this out in our, our study Wednesday night. It says this, His divine power... The divine power of God has given us, and he says the word, everything that we, and he uses the word, need. Everything we need for life and for godliness through our knowledge of him who called us. Right? Everything that we need for life and godliness we have in Jesus. Number two, the second thing that's really important about this truth about the fact that God will meet all of my needs is this. If it isn't according to his glorious riches, it's basically dirt. Let me explain. If it isn't according to God's glorious riches, then it's basically dirt. Okay, you understand that? And here's what I mean by that, that everything of the kingdom of God, everything connected to the kingdom of God that is eternal is gold. It's golden. 
It's beyond golden. It is holy. It is pure. It is right. It is everlasting. It is forever. It is gold. And everything of the planet, right, is of the planet. Everything that we do and everything we make up along the way is of the planet. And therefore, dirt. It's dirt. What seems so important now will be meaningless in the end. Solomon said everything is meaningless. That is everything that is outside of Christ is meaningless in the end. And the Apostle Paul, he said this in, in um, Philippians chapter 3 verse 8, a little earlier, he said, what is more? What is more? He's talking about what he's gained and what he's, what he's accomplished in his life. He says, what is more? I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them, all these things, these other things, these worldly things that I have gained, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Did you hear what he said? Garbage that I may gain Christ or compared to knowing Jesus, everything else in the world any other accomplishments, anything else you might attain is like trash. The word, the word is, uh, the, the Greek word is the word um, skybala, and it means refuse or it means waste. It means what is thrown to the dogs, like the scraps. Everything else of this world is like the scraps that you would throw to the pigs or the dogs. The King James Version uses the word dung. Everything that you accomplish, everything that I could possibly accomplish outside of Christ, outside of the kingdom of God is like dung. That's worse than dirt. I, I said it nicely. I said dirt. The King James Version uses the word dung or manure. Manure. It's like manure. It's all rubbish. But, but if, it, if it's in the will of God, if it's in the will of God's glorious riches, if it's within the, 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 the umbrella or the, uh, the realm of the kingdom of God and the will of God and God's plan for, for you and for me in this world as he looks from heaven on us and he works and moves among us, if it's within his will, then it is golden. It is perfect. It is what you need the most. And it is all that really matters. His glorious riches are eternal. They are perfect and everything else is like dirt. There you go. The last thing. This is a bonus point number three. Bonus point number three. I said there were two really important things and maybe a third. And here's the third. The third is this. God will do it if it needs to be done. If it needs to be done, God will do it. God is well aware of your life. God is well aware of the world. He's well aware of what's happening in Minneapolis and Seattle and Washington and California and Florida and North Carolina and Buffalo, New York and Ohio and all these places. God, Kentucky, God is well aware of what is happening in all of these places. And if it needs to be done, God will do it. My God will meet all your needs. We don't need to decide what needs to be done. You and I don't need to decide what needs to be done in our lives. God will take care of that. He has got it. Really, God has got it. He's aware of it. He'll take care of it.
Here's what, here's what you and I need to do. What you and I need to do is our part of the, the equation, right? God's going to take care of what God needs to take care of. There's no doubt about that. What you and I need to do is these two things. We need to pray and we need to stay. Pray and stay. One and two, sorry. Pray and stay. That's what we need to do. Pray and stay. Just get that in your mind. Pray and stay. That's what we need to do. Pray. Let's think about pray. Pray. Pray, the scripture says, without ceasing. Now, that seems kind of weird, right? Pray without stopping. How do you pray without ceasing? How do you pray without I'm going to walk around with my eyes closed, my hands together, walking into stuff. Is that what he's talking about? No, that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about like chanting around the world like a monk. It's not what he's talking about. It's more about a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus who is not just in your life, not just surrounding your life, but he is your life. Like he has come to live within you. He is a part of all that you are and all that you do if you'll let him, right? So the Lord that is your life, he just wants you to stay in contact with him and in constant communication with him, like, like daily, on a daily basis, like, like just like you would eat on a daily basis or you will die, and just like you will breathe on a daily basis or you will die, you, without prayer, without this constant communication with the God of all creation who is Lord and Savior of your life, you will die. You will die. Don't you get that? You will die. Spiritually, it will be a slow death. But in the end, you will die for eternity. See, prayer, prayer is about walking with Jesus. It's about walking with Jesus. It's not religious in any way. It's not about attending church on Sundays. It's not about praying to God before meals. That's not the only times we should seek the Lord. Do it for those times. Be grateful and thankful for sure. But if that's all you're doing, if that's all we're doing, we're going to die. Prayer is about it's about, it's, it's like breathing. It's breathing. It's, it's like being conscious. It's being conscious of it, that conscious of the fact that God is in me and working around me. It's about being desperate for him. And it's about being guided by him. It's like living every day in constant communication and conscious of the fact that God is walking with you and everything that you're going to do is going to be together with him. Pray, pray. Number two, stay. Here's this. Fight to stay connected to the vine. He's the vine, we're, we're a branch, okay? Fingers are connected to my hand, which is connected to my arm, which is connected to my body, right? Right? Be the branch, like be the branch, just be the branch, stay connected to the vine, keep yourself connected to the vine, remain in the vine, don't try to be the vine, don't try to be God, don't make those decisions for yourself, let God make the decisions and you just stay connected to him, remain in Christ and God will lead you into his perfect plan. If, if you're seeking God with your heart and you're conscious of God and you're in prayer with God on a daily basis as you live your life and you're walking according to his truth, God will lead you. He will guide you. His spirit is living in you and he will help you make good decisions. Trust him, seek him, get his counsel. Paul says, and my God, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ. The great thing about this is this. He knows what is best. We don't know what's best. 
We really don't know what's best. All we see is our little world of me and maybe a little bit more. We don't see beyond our own little existence. Like we're consumed with us, right? Like we're like a little kid that all we think about is themselves. That's kind of what we, we're adults that all we think about is our own little world most of it. And if we think about other people, that's good. But for most of us and most of the time, it's about our own little world. That's what we're thinking about. But God, God sees beyond that. He sees far more than your own little world. And if he needs it done, it's getting done. You can bank on that. If God sees something needs done, he is going to get it done. Just, here's what we do when we pray and we stay in him, is we set ourselves up for being used by God willingly. We're like little servants who are saying, God, I'm praying in you, I'm staying in you, and here I am. God, use me however you need to use me. And we are available fully to God to be used however he needs to get something done. And then he'll use us to get it done. We don't want to be used by God in spite of our foolishness. That's not what we're going for. Let's go for staying, praying in God. Staying and praying in him. Just pray and stay in him. And God, my God, will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. That's a beautiful word for us today. And that's the last thing Paul is going to say in, in, as he wraps up this letter to the Philippians. And that's the last thing I'm going to say to you from this letter from the Philippians. And next week we're going to move on to something else. But I pray that your comeback is, is stronger and it's, it's deeper and that you have a little more wisdom because we have spent time in this letter, in this letter of the Philippians that Paul is writing to them, that the truths and the nuggets that Paul has given them, that he is trying to build into their lives, will be built into our lives. And we'll be better for it. We'll be stronger for it. We'll be wiser for it. We'll make better decisions for it. We'll learn to stay and pray. We'll learn to just stay connected to Jesus because he loves us so much. Please be careful. Have a great week. Stay safe and may God bless you.